Welcome to the Real Estate Secrets Podcast for healthcare professionals, hosted by Austin Hare and Nathan Palmer, who together have over two decades of real estate knowledge and investing. This show is about sharing lessons in commercial real estate that were learned from trial and error and working directly with CEOs of billion-dollar healthcare organizations. Our mission is to teach the insider strategies used by the big guys to everyday healthcare operators in order to get access to the best real estate at the best prices. So today we are going over chapter two in the book, Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss. And chapter two is titled Mirroring. Some important things to think about when you come into a negotiation are the surprises. Now, good negotiators, they go into negotiations with their counterpart thinking that there might be surprisers. And great negotiators go to negotiations trying to uncover the surprises that they know exist. So your goal as a negotiator is to extract as much information as possible while letting several scenarios simultaneously play themselves out in your head without using your own bias for what you think your counterpart wants. So it's really important to never get wrapped up in your preconceived notions about what the counterpart may want or not want And too often we come in, we've got our own biases, and we go into a negotiation, and we just are not able to logically think through what's actually happening. And great negotiators are good at considering all the possible biases that there are. As an example, the FBI has five people on their team at one time, any given time, with a hostage negotiation, so they can all be looking for information. And (laughs) if you think that sounds a bit excessive, Well, the FBI, they don't like wasting manpower. So it just to give you a glimpse of how complicated and how hard this task actually is. Another thing is that, you know, it's really not easy to listen well. Every conversation that we head into, we have our own confirmation biases and we're looking for information that proves our hypothesis. So we do this all the time actually, even outside of negotiation, because a lot of times we have conversations and negotiations inside our own head with nobody else present. And so, you know, what might happen is you might say to yourself, oh, you know, people in my city are rude drivers. And so when you say that, now all of a sudden you might pass by a hundred drivers that are totally nice and polite and nobody ever does anything. They don't cut you off. They go the speed limit. But one person cuts you off and you, your subconscious does this magnificent thing where it forgets all of the law-abiding citizens who drove right by you and we immediately focus on that one person who cut us off, right? And that's called confirmation bias. And it's really easy to take that confirmation bias into a negotiation because you might have something that you think they're looking for and you rule out or you choose to ignore subconsciously all of the evidence that rules against what your preconceived notions are. So that is something that's very difficult to overcome. And you know we can only process seven pieces of information at the same time. So in order to quiet your mind, what you need to do is focus solely on what they need and make them feel safe enough to talk. And then after that stage, you can both feel secure. So in order to quiet your mind, just focus solely on what your counterpart needs to make them feel safe enough to talk. What that does is it lowers their guard, but it's got to begin with listening. So you have to start out with listening instead of being the one to try and direct the conversation. And here's the funny part is when we're talking, usually we're thinking about what to say next. (laughs) 
And so while we're sitting there, you know, we make a statement and then it's their turn, your counterpart's turn to make a statement. And while they're responding to what you've just said, instead of listening and processing that information to see how you can use it, you're already playing over, uh, contemplating, thinking through in your mind what you're going to say next. And you don't even hear what they've just said (laughs) in order to use that in negotiations. So there's only one antidote to this, and that is eliminate all of your thoughts and focus solely on what the counterpart is saying. So get them to feel safe enough to talk talk, 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 okay? That is your goal, getting them to feel safe enough to talk, asking them questions, using an exploratory mindset and to get them to talk about their wants. So one of the things too, you know, it's a lot easier to talk about your wants than it is their needs. So first thing you wanna do is just getting getting them to talk about what they want first. And then later on down the road, that's when we can get down in, into what they need. Slowing it down. All negotiators have a tendency to go fast, and especially depending on your personality type, if you're the entrepreneurial type, uh, you will more than likely have a tendency to want to quickly go through this uh, one bullet point at a time, one step at a time, wrap it up, and get out of there as quickly as you can. But simply slowing it down does wonders for building rapport with the counterpart. So uh, as an example, in sales, when uh, when you're doing cold calling or uh, even if it's not quite cold calling but it's, it's not like a hot lead, it might be somebody who um, might be a referral source of some sort. So there is an art to deliberately waiting before you ask the person for the credit card number, right? So what you do is you have what's called an exploratory call, sort of like a, a questionnaire, and you would get the person on the phone, you'd go through everything, just very briefly, very high level, you don't make it take very long, and then you purposely want to wait somewhere between one day, at the maximum two days, before you get them back on the phone. And just simply that passage of time from when you first had your conversation on the phone to when you had the conversation where you go for the credit card number will create a sense of friendship and a sense of relationship building and and builds rapport just because time has passed. Uh, It's a crazy thing that happens psychologically. So slowing things down is going to help calm things down and it'll actually just help build the relationship with the counterpart. Another aspect of chapter three is the voice types, okay? And there's three voice types that have different purposes, but are all three very, very intentional. And so one of them is called just the positive, playful voice type. It's light and encouraging and playful. The second voice type is called the late night DJ voice. And what that would mean is I would just start to talk very slowly and I would have a calming, soothing inflection on on the things that I say. And that that serves to help calm people down. And then the third is the assertive voice. Generally speaking, you want to forget about the assertive voice. You know, this can feel like a slap in the face to certain counterparts. So uh, one of the stories from about using the positive voice, think about traveling abroad. There was a guy who went, he traveled abroad with his girlfriend and they were, it was in a third world country somewhere and they were trying to just buy some stuff with, with street vendors and he was getting so annoyed that his girlfriend was able to get better deals consistently across the board with every single vendor that they went, went into. And you know, when you're in some of these developing countries, they, they're born in the streets. I mean, they, they love the art of negotiation. They practice this every single day and it's just how they live their lives. It's how they do business. So they're very good at it. He was frustrated that his girlfriend was consistently getting better deals than he was. And so 
what he found is that every time she was walking into a vendor shop or you know a street vendor uh, place of business, she was approaching them with a smile and just turn it into a game. And so what happens is that you, when you turn it into a, a game and you become likable and you're laughing and you're having fun, subconsciously people want to help you and they want to arrive at a positive outcome, even if that means making less money. And it's the irony in the whole thing. Now, the late night DJ voice, this one has more of a straightforward declaration. Uh, it's a tone of voice that says, you know, we're all okay we're here and we can figure this out. And so those are those are the two types of voices that you're going to want to focus on. Now, mirroring is a subject that I want to talk about and also known as, known as isopracticism. But what it is is just imitation. And it's a sign people are bonding and at least to trust. So we fear things that are different. We draw things that are like us. You know, it's known as synchrony. And that's just human nature. I mean, it's animal nature too. You know, animals, they generally flock together and stick together. I mean, imagine going into, you know, signing up for a club or like a clubhouse, an exclusive membership area. And you come back and you tell your wife, hey, honey, listen, it's so great. I just signed up for this club membership uh, at the local golf course. And we all have different views on politics and um, there's not that many guys. And we're all, we all come from different countries. And we all have extremely different backgrounds. It's great. <laughs> no, of course not, right? You you are signing up for that clubhouse because you have a lot of things in common. You have similar beliefs. You have similar backgrounds. You share similar ideologies. And so that's what we're looking for is that sense of connection. And mirroring can shortcut how long it takes to build a relationship where you feel like you have a sense of connection with someone. So we fear what's different and we're drawn to what's better. Yeah, a lot of times, you know, mirror, mirroring is body language. And so when you see people that have known each other for a long time, you might see them walking uh, step in step. You know, their strides are similar together or their body actions are similar, you know. But doing this in actual language is what we're going to focus on in the in negotiation. So now that being said, you know, if you're physically, if you have the chance to physically sit in person with somebody and you're physically able to mirror them, I mean, that can go a long way. That's why ideally negotiations print would be done in person. That's going to be your go-to. Second would be some sort of virtual uh, negotiation where you can still see them like Zoom or Skype. Third would be over phone where you can hear their voice. And then as a last resort is going to be email and texting. I mean, texting might even be below emails. So that's kind of the hierarchy that you want to think about how you want to approach negotiations. It's also, you know, think with mirroring, think about it as a, as how to confront and get your way without confrontation. It's really what it all boils down to. So you get the ability to get your way without being disagreeable. So um, they did a study with some waiters and the first group of waiters was very agreeable. They complimented the patrons on their choice of food and, and their orders. And they would say things like, good choice, yes, excellent, well done. And then the second group would actually mirror their um, orders back to the patrons. They would just repeat the last three words of the order, the last four words of the order. And what they found was that the people who mirrored the order, even though they're all agreeable, everybody had great things to say about the waiters, but they got a 70% higher tip when they mirrored as to when they just gave them praise for their order. So that's a, it's a pretty staggering difference. In many situations, you're gonna have to deal with people who are what you would call pit bulls. They're uh, very assertive 
and using a, these are the type of people that using your assertive voice is not going to bode well for. So, you know, it might, that might continue to cause more confrontation. Um, it might cause them to push back even harder. So when you are dealing with people, specifically with people who are pit bulls, most people, you can use this approach, but specifically for people who are pit bulls. So, um, if you feel like you're dealing with somebody who's likes being the dominant one, likes being the alpha in the room, then there's four steps. Number one, okay, using the late night DJ voice. So at very calm, very collectively, just talking with a soothing influx in the way that you finish your sentences. Uh, Number two is start with, I'm sorry. Number three is that you're going to mirror. So mirror back the last three words, maybe the last four words, but there's kind of the most important things that they had said. Number four is silence, just waiting there for four seconds or longer to let the mirror really work its magic. And the last step is going to be to repeat that thing all over. So there was a story about a boss and his employee, and the boss had asked for copies of the paperwork. This was in the the era where everything was (laughs) switching from paper to digital, and some people were reluctant to the switch to digital and they wanted paper copies. And in this case, the boss wanted paper copies of everything and the employee was just trying to save the unnecessary workload and be as efficient as possible. And so the boss came in, they just struck a big deal with a a big client and came in and asked for two copies of the paperwork. And so she said, I'm sorry, two copies? So you can see she started with an apology, mirrored what he said, and What's going to happen is if you just say, what do you mean by that? So let's just say she doesn't mirror. She just asks, what do you mean? Well, that can cause people to get offended and they can feel that you might be uh, acting overly assertive and that would incite irritation. A mirror, however, is going to get you clarity. So she said, I'm sorry, two copies? Then he said, yes, one for me, one for the client. Now she followed up with that by saying, I'm sorry. So you're saying the client asks for one? And he said, well, the client hasn't asked yet, but definitely one for me. That's just how I do business. Her response was, absolutely. Thanks for checking with the client. Where would you like to store it? There's no more room in the storage room. His response was, you can store it anywhere. So anywhere, she said. So again, it's a mirror, right? And in this case, it caused him to take a long pause, which was not normal for this particular boss. So during his pause, he gained more composure than he had had all conversation. And then he said, it's fine. Just put him in my office. Well, Later, he emailed her and said, hey, listen, don't worry about the physical copies. You know, two digital copies will be fine for now. And it essentially ended up saving this employee weeks, like a week to two weeks worth of work. And so all of it was just accomplished by simply using those five steps of using the late night DJ voice, starting with I'm sorry, mirroring, using silence for four seconds, and then repeating. So Oprah Winfrey, she's another great example of this. She does a great job of mirroring and really listening, really having long and intense silences and waiting for the guests on her show to reveal sometimes secrets that they haven't revealed to anybody. In synopsis, summarizing everything we've gone over in chapter two is don't commit to assumptions. Try your best to just come out with a completely blank slate, realize that you have assumptions and then proactively clear those from your mind. So step two would be uncovering as much information as possible about your counterpart and about the other person. And then think about the three voices, the, the late night DJ voice, the 
positive voice and then the assertive voice. And lastly is use mirrors to incentivize others to keep talking. So if you can if you can take away anything from this whole chapter, it's simply the fact of using mirrors, repeating the last three words to get more clarity. And that will do wonders for negotiations in business, at home, and everything in between. So hope this was helpful. Next time we're gonna be talking about chapter three in Never Split the Difference. If you need help finding the perfect location for your practice or you're ready to invest in commercial real estate, email us podcast at leadersre.com. That's podcast at leadersre, R-E as in realestate.com. Or go to leadersre.com and fill out our form. See you next time.